got your Bible this morning, open up to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to get into the Word this morning, get into the B-I-B-L-E. You didn't come here to see me or hear me. Hopefully you came to hear, uh, hear from God and you came to get instruction from Him. Jesus said, if you'll build your house upon the rock, then when the storms of life come, your house will stand. God's interested in your house standing. God's interested in your kids standing. God's interested in your teenagers standing. God's interested in your marriage standing. God's interested in your business standing. He, he is a standing God. How many of y'all know that? How many of y'all think he's strong? Come on, he's strong. We serve a strong God. He wants you to be strong. He's not interested in anemic Christians. Weak Christians don't have good diet and they don't have good, good vitamins. No, he wants you to have what you need to be strong so that you can carry you and you can carry your family and that people can run unto you and you can give them hope and answers and help. So the title of message what I want to look at this morning is five things your kids need to know about money. Next few weeks we're going to be talking about this subject because God talks a lot about money. In fact, I'm going to read you one thing uh, that this guy uh, wrote, which uh, he wrote a book on stewardship, but I thought that it was, uh, it was really good and it's, it's easier for me trying to preach all of it to you so uh, he says here he says besides the kingdom of God what did Jesus talk about most often love peace the poor no money Jesus talked about money all the time look closely at the parables of Jesus and count the ones that refer to money says stewardship expert and author Don Conway if you didn't know better you'd say that all Jesus cared about was drachmas denarii and the coins that belong to Caesar and drachmas and and denarii that's what we would call quarters and dollars right they didn't have quarters and dollars back then you understand that right so he says seems like that's all Jesus ever talked about not everyone agrees on how many parables are in the gospel since parables can be defined many ways as stories or quotes or proverbs but most scripture experts agree that there are roughly 40 parables of Jesus. Of those, half speak directly about money. For example, the pearl of great price, the lost coin, the silver talents. Of the other parables, many also touch on material wealth. The prodigal son squandered his inheritance. Lazarus and the rich man, the day the laborers and the vineyard. The use of money also occurred in many of Jesus' teaching. The widow's two coins, Caesar's taxes, the rich young man, and Zacchaeus, the tax collector. There are also the famous quotes that Jesus said. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Take nothing for the journey, neither walking stick, nor sack, nor food, nor money. And the most famous of all, you cannot serve God and money. So the point is, Jesus talked a whole lot about money. Why did Jesus care so much about money? money well because he knows that we all have a relationship with it right and it's a love-hate relationship we hate what we got to do to get it but boy we sure do enjoy it when we got it how many of y'all know what I'm talking about none of you would refuse a stack of hundreds right now thank you <laughs> he says no I would not you wouldn't you would not refuse uh any amount of money right because money just helps Money, it just helps. And you say, some people think that they're being humble whenever they say, well, I don't, I don't need uh, a lot of money or I don't, I don't like money. Or they'll even say that Jesus was, was poor. Well, I don't know that before Jesus ever hit the ground, right? Three men came from a faraway land following a star and they weren't bringing rattles. 
Them babies were bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the most valuable and costly things. They're bringing it to Jesus before he ever cries his first, ah, out. He is rich before his feet hit the floor. He, God was supernaturally providing for him. And if it wasn't an issue, God would have had them bring a card. Congratulations on your bouncing baby boy. They didn't show up with a card. They showed up with, with money. That's what they showed up with. And that's just one instance. If you look in the Old Testament, in fact, where we're going to start in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. What becomes before 2? 1. We're in the second chapter of a book with 66 books. And right out the gate, God creates the earth. He works six days. He rests on the seventh day. He makes a man in his image, in his likeness. He puts him in a garden. And in verse number 10 of chapter 2, he starts giving Adam the lay of the land. And he says, I've created you in my image. You're in my likeness. You're the crown of creation. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm going to walk with you, talk with you. You have my dominion. Whenever you say something, mountains move. Uh, lions obey you. Tigers obey you. If you want to ride in a jaguar, call the jaguar over. Get on. Whatever you want, you are my beloved son. And, and in verse number 10, he gives him the lay of the land. And he says here in verse number 10, in Genesis chapter 2, he says, A river watering the garden flowed from Eden, and from there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon, and it winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. Everybody say gold. Right out the gate, he tells Adam where the gold is. He says, the gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin. What is aromatic resin? That's what they use for perfume or cologne. Chanel number five. Obsession. How many of y'all remember that? Eternity. How many of y'all remember? remember cool water? Woo! Boy, don't mess with me now. I got that cool water on. I'm going to the dance. How many of y'all remember polo in the, in the green bottle? Boy, you smell me coming Hey, that's it right there. Jesus like, we still rocking it? Uh, <laughs> you smell them coming from Bunky. Boy, they smelling bright, smelling good. And he tells him, he says, the aromatic resin and the onyx, precious jewels, precious stones are also there. The name of the second river is Gihon, and it winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of the Asher, and the fourth river is Euphrates. He's just showing Adam. He's created Adam, and he says, I'm giving you the lay of the land. These are the rivers. And he says, this is where, this is where the good stuff is. Why does a naked man standing in a garden need to know where the gold is? Why does a naked man standing in a garden need to know where Chanel number five is or where obsession or eternity is? Why does a naked man in a garden need to, need to know where the onyx is or the diamonds? Well, I'm going to show you because in just a couple of verse, God's going to create a woman named Eve. And if Adam don't care where the gold is, there's one coming after him. And God knows, he knows you're a naked man in a garden. But there is another person that's about to come on the scene. And she is going to care about Chanel number five. But how many of y'all know men care too? How many of y'all know we care? How many of y'all know we know we act like we don't care, but we buy in chunks? That's right. 
How many of you I'm talking about? Like we'll, we'll have hole in our socks, holy underwear, won't spend no money for a year and then buy a boat. Right? It's just like, it's just like, and then we show up just like, I bought a truck. It's like, what do you mean we bought a truck? He's like, I haven't spent anything all year. I mean, I got holes in my shoes, but I got a boat, baby. I got a truck, right? We buying chunks, right? We buy, like, where Mike? Mike's here, somebody says, I just bought a drone, right? It's just like, just show up with a drone. So men care too, but God knew that, that, that he was going to need some gold. God knew that, that, that not only is your wife coming, but you're about to have Cain. You're about to have Abel. You're about to have kids, and they need school uniforms, Right, and every week another note comes home. We're having a pencil drive, and we're having a uh, we're, we're having we're, we're, we we need uh, some type of appreciation, and we need a fee for T-shirts, and we need my God, they'll, they'll nickel and dime you to death. It's like y'all kids need stuff, families need stuff. How many of y'all know God knows what you need more than you know what you need? And before He ever had a family, God told Him where it was at. Before he ever had kids, God told him where the good stuff was. Before he ever had a wife, he had a job, but he also, God told him, he said, this is where the gold is. This is where the valuable stuff is. This is where the jewels are. You're my kid, and you're going to, he told him, he said, take dominion, multiply, replenish the earth, or, or uh, uh, multiply or populate the earth. And, and God knows what, what we need. God knows, and God cares about what you need. Why did he give it to a naked man in a garden? Because God cares, and God knows. God knows that you need groceries. He knows that you need school uniforms. He knows that, that you need medical bills, or he knows that energy, they want their money. How I many of y'all know energy don't want hugs? And they don't want faith. They want money. That's what they want. And God knows it. And Jesus knows it. And the day Adam showed up on the planet, God had provisions for him. The day Jesus showed up on the planet, God had provisions for him. But while Mary and Joseph are traveling to have this baby, on the other side of the town or the city or the nation, God is bringing provisions and then they meet in the middle. Come on, how many of y'all believers? Come on, you need to be a believer and you need to believe that God cares about this part of you. You need to believe that God will provide and that God will take care of this part of you. But there's also things that, that you need to know. So the, the title of the message is five things your kids need to know about money. We used to may say, well, I'm an empty nester. You know, I don't have kids. I'm single. But how many of y'all know you're a child of God? So it, being a child of God, this is what you need to know about money. Not just about what your kids need to know about money, but you are a kid. You're his kid and you're in his kingdom. And if he wants you to be strong in every area of your life, there's things that we need to know about, about money. And some people, they're scared to talk about money in church. Uh, but if Jesus talked about it, how many of y'all want to do what Jesus does? I just want to do what Jesus does, right? I just, if, it, if he knows that it's a big deal to us. So the first things your kid needs to know about money, and I have kids, I have, an 11, I have a 12-year-old now, and I have a 10-year-old, and there's things that I want my kids to know about money, and I started early teaching my kids these principles, and some of them I've done well, and some of them I have not done well. I'll just tell you, in studying for these messages, there's been a couple of these things that the Lord got on to me and said, you're not doing this, good. So I'm just like you in that I have to take the correction that God gives me so some of the areas you may not be doing really good in some of the areas I'm not doing good in but if we want to do better we just do better 
Come on, we want our kids to do better. How many of y'all think God wants you to do better? God ain't mad at you, but he will require you to step up and to do better. So the first things I teach my kids, or I want my kids to know, is uh, and if you've got a worship guide, is uh, uh, know how. Five things for, for your kids to know. The first one is, is know how to give. Know how to give. Give God first. Know how to give God first. Right after this, and we're going we're gonna to read in Genesis chapter 2, because I just showed you where, where he said the name of the third river is the Tigris and then the Euphrates. And then watch this next part, though. He says, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and care for it. He gives him a job. Everybody say job. And then the Lord commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When you eat it, you will surely, certainly die. So here he says, you can eat out of any tree you want in this garden. And it's good. And you, but there's one tree, don't touch that tree. That's not your tree, that's my tree. That's not your tree. That's my tree. And that tree is there to teach you self-control. It's there to teach you selflessness and not selfishness. That tree is designed by God for, for, for a benefit and a help to you. Don't touch my tree. So there's parts whenever my kids get money that they already know. You know what part belongs to God. Don't touch it. It ain't yours. It's his. So starting at just a young age, just at two, three, four, how, how young do you start? Well, just as young as you can. How I many y'all think it's good for your kids to know that, 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 that there is a God and they need to put him first? Amen. I want my kids to know God's your first. God's your first. You got $40 for your birthday? Pay your tithes and give your offering. How much is my offering? I don't care whatever you want to do. But the, the, the first part of it's his. It belongs to him. That's his tree. We don't need his tree. That's his tree. And then it's my job, my responsibility as a parent to tell them what that's for. Well, why don't I have to do that? Because kids will ask you. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know kids ask you. They get $100. They say, pay your tithes. Why? Well, that's a good teaching opportunity right there. That's where you teach him. You say, well, this is what it's for. The Bible says that this is for God's house to be taken care of. This is for people to hear the gospel all across the world. This is for this. And we have some of these little compassion kids. If you don't know what that is, and if you have a hard time with your kids not wanting to be generous, uh, we, I'm just telling you what we do. Why? Because I want my 10-year-old to put God first. I want my seven-year-old to put God first. I want my nine-year-old to put God first. I want my five-year-old to put God first. Put God first. Be generous. Give God the first of all of your increase. And then sometimes I'll just tell you, I'm not bragging on my kids because some kids are more sensitive in this area than others. Like my daughter's pretty sensitive in this area. She came to my wife, I guess, two weeks ago or three weeks ago. She got $64 for her birthday or something. And she asked my wife, she says, uh, does the Lord ever tell you to give all of it away? And, and my wife just had talked to her. Say, yeah, well, the Lord may challenge you to give more than your tithe or more than your offering. He may whatever. And she says, well, I feel like the Lord wants me to do that. So then Elizabeth calls me and says, Ansley wants to give all of it away. I say, great, go for it. I don't care. Uh, I mean, just obey God, right? Just obey God. If you're nine years old, obey God. If you're 90 years old, just obey God. And you say, well, what if they miss it? God will make it up to them. Come on, we don't ever have to worry about missing it. And God, how many of y'all know he's got a book called Numbers? How many of y'all think he can count? 
Come here, y'all think you can't outgive him giving. You can't outgive God. If you, if you went over the top, you're not gonna, you're, he's not gonna say, oh, you missed it. No, he'll find a way. Because I'll just tell you as a parent, whenever I hear that about my daughter wanting to be generous, what's it, what's it make me do as a parent? I'm asking her, I was like, what's she really want for her birthday? Because I'm gonna make sure she gets it right how much more do you think our heavenly father whenever we stretch out and say I just want to be generous does he look down and say I'll give you what you really want because your heart's right and, and you're not interested in just trying to get how much more if we do that for our own kids come on you would do that for your kid if your kid just went over the top generous with some other kid at school you would immediately be thinking well I'm taking them to the movies and I'm gonna bring them to to get ice cream why because they're going out of their way to be generous and be good it does something in your heart that says that kid's got a good heart and a right spirit and because they have a right heart and a good spirit I'm gonna go over the top to just be good to them I mean I've been around people that it just seems like God's just been good to them just over that they're usually they're just they're just they're just good though I gave you a quote in your worship guide I thought was good this is from a chaplain of the U.S. Senate named Richard Halverson he said Jesus Christ said more about money than any other single thing because money is the first importance when it comes to a man's real nature money is an exact index to a man's character money is an exact index to a man's character so if you want to know teach kids about money the first thing is I just teach my kids give God first don't eat from his tree that's his tree and God always take care of you he knows I mean I think he knows where the gold is he knows he knows where all of it is and he says I've crowned you I've made you my creation and, and I've put you in this garden I'm going to take care of you but just don't eat from this tree that's my tree so give God first so you got to know how to give the second one is is know how to earn money I don't know about you, uh, my dad taught me how to work. I mean, I think we should be teaching our kids how to work. You teach your kids the number one generator of wealth is income. I'm going to say that again. The number one generator of wealth is income. Everybody's trying to generate wealth. Get a job. <laughs> Get a job. If you want to generate wealth, you need income. How I many of y'all know that you have to teach this to, to young people? I, I grew up with a dad that required me to work. How I many of y'all grew up with a dad like that? And I remember my dad would walk into my room. He'd say, Kevin Allen, get up. We got work to do. Right? And then I, and then I would be laying there like, oh, man, it's Saturday. Right? And then he'd say, I ain't coming back in here again. And what, you know what that meant? I ain't coming back in here again. <laughs> that means your butt better be outside with your kangaroo tennis shoes on and your clam digger shorts. And we got work to do, right? And a lot of the work, I didn't even do nothing. I remember him, he would be laying uh, and he would be changing the oil up under a piece of equipment and I would just be standing there. How many of y'all remember doing that as a kid? You're just like, right? And your braces are held together by your, you know, you got your top brace, your bottom brace, you got the little rubber band, you know, you're standing out. You got bubbles right here, it's coming out. So. And you're just like, why am I even standing here? I'm not even doing anything. You're doing all the work, right? You're doing it all. But he required me to be out there. He taught me how to work. He said, nobody likes lazy people. Everybody likes people who know how to work. And, and, and parents always had the stories, right? They tell you the stories. Whenever I was a kid, I mean, I remember those stories. 
When I was a kid, we were up at 5 a.m., that's what he'd tell me, milking cows, be so cold, squirt milk on your hands just so, that, just so you didn't get frostbite, you know. They always had the worst stories about growing up as a kid, right? Just like, it's just horrible. But now I'm having the same conversations with my kids, right? You're going to learn how to work. Get up, off the couch, been watching TV for five hours. You need to learn how to work. Why? The Bible talks a lot about work, and I'll give you just a couple of verses, and I could give you dozens of verses. But, but the, the verse here, and I'm going to give you in Proverbs chapter 12, it says, those who work their land will have abundant food. But those who chase fantasies have no sense. What's a fantasy? The lotto. Yeah. <laughs> get, wick, uh, get, get rich quick, right? Well, if I could sense, if I could do this, if I could sell this, or if I could do this, or I'm going to enter into this, and the money's just going to flow in. I mean, you ain't got no sense. The Bible tells you straight up, you ain't got no sense. You earn your bread by the sweat of your brow. You just got to learn how to work. And there's some seasons that are harder work than others. I mean, I know if you're starting a business from scratch, there's some seasons where you may be working a hundred hours a week and I don't believe that's the will of God for you always I really don't I don't think that you should work that many hours because all of that is taken away from other things that are really more important but there are seasons where you just got to bow up and get it I mean I'm talking about you just got to work you got to work your butt off and we have to teach our kids right I teach my kids (laughs) whenever I was your age that's what I'm telling my kids now whenever I was your age my daddy had me out you know, doing this and doing that, doing the get up off your butt, you need to work and then give them some little money, right? Reward them and pay them. Noah built a boat for the saving of his family. Jesus said, whoever builds his house upon the rock, God built the universe in six days. How many of you know if you're going to build something, it's going to take what? W-O-R-K. That's how my, master, my pastor, he says, how do you spell ministry? W-O-R-K. That's it, baby. W-O-R-K. Because some people think they, you spell ministry like preaching. He says, he says oh, you fool. <laughs> I could tell you a lot more to ministry than just preaching. You spell ministry. The, Bible's call, it, the Bible calls it the work of the ministry. If you're going to reach people and you're going to help people, if we're going to put butts in all of the empty seats here, it's going to take work. It's going to take more than just a good preacher or a good song or a good this. If we want to reach our city, it's going to take work. W-O-R-K, the work of the ministry. So I'm teaching my kids, you got to give God first, but you also, your greatest generator of wealth is earning. You're going to have to get income coming in. Last verse I'll give you in Psalms chapter 127, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Everybody say labor. It's work. Work, work. We have to be work, workers, workers. In vain you rise early and stay up, stay up late toiling for food to eat. And he, for he grants sleep to those that he loves. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. I'll give you this one too. It says, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Some of you, if you have teenagers, if you have young people, if you struggle with this, these are good verses for you to just kind of help, not, not to browbeat them with, but to help educate them. There's power in the word of God. And the word of God can cut things out of people's hearts 
and out of their life. And if you'll present it to them, you say, this is what God wants for you. This is what I want for you as a parent. I don't want you to be stuck here. I want you to go on and I want, to God, I want God to use you and you to enjoy life. But lazy hands make for poverty. You, if you want to be wealthy, you're going you're gonna to have to be diligent. The third thing is, is spend. I mean, I know we got this one down. We just might as well go on to number four, right? We already got, we already got this one down. But how many of y'all know that this is not a reality? A lot of people don't know how to spend or enjoy what they've earned. Taking what they've earned and spending it with their family, with their kids. So we got to teach our kids how to enjoy it. Me and Noble were at Academy night before last. He says, I want a new basketball. I say, you got some money? He says, yes, I got some money. Go buy you a basketball. I don't care. Can I buy it? I don't care. But we got this coming up. We're going to Texas. We're going to bring you over there to shoot a deer in the face. Just kidding. Uh, uh, we got this going up. We may stop at Bass Pro on the way. So you may want to have your little money right there. I'm not giving you any. You got your own. So go, go buy what you want. Enjoy it. It's your money. Do what you want. Uh, as long as you've given God his first, then you, you enjoy the rest, enjoy it. And this is scriptural. The Bible says Ecclesiastes chapter five. He says, I love this. Solomon's the wisest man who ever lived, right? That's what the Bible says. And it says, behold, here's what I've seen to be good and fitting, to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the labor in which he labors under the sun during the few days of his life, which God has given him for his allotted reward. I mean, I know there's a reward, you need, to, you, need to, you need to take what God's been blessing you with through your labor and spend some of it on your wife, on your kids, on yourself. Enjoy it. He goes on. He says, also, every man to whom God has given riches and position, he's also given the power and ability to enjoy them. How many of you have ever worked so much you just don't enjoy anything anymore? <laughs> Thank you, Keith. <laughs> Both hands up. Just working all the time, working all the time. How many of y'all know God doesn't want you to do that? He wants you to enjoy. It says here, he says, he, he, says, he says, God's given you the power and the ability to enjoy them and to receive this, his allotted portion, to rejoice in his labor. Watch this last sentence. This is the gift of God to him. God, that's a gift, that's a gift not just from your employer or, or from your business. It's a gift of God from you. For you, God's given you this gift. You've earned it. You've labored. Now go and enjoy some of it. You want a basketball? Go get you one. Right? If you want to go somewhere, how many of y'all think we should all take a trip after church? Let's go to Barbados. Right? Put our feet in the sand. How many of y'all think we've earned it? How many of y'all know you shouldn't wait till you're 65? A lot of people wait till they're 65 and then it's too late. My dad, whenever he got diagnosed with cancer, he was ate up with cancer. He was one month from retirement. And, and he would tell me, he was, well, maybe six weeks, he would be out cleaning the pool and he'd say, 40 more days, Kev, 40 more days till I retire. And then he, he, two more days later, he's like, 38 more days, Kev, 38 more days till I retire. And they had booked a trip that they were going to go. It was about a one-month cruise, kind of like, I don't, don't want to say it was around the world, but it was one of these real long cruises but he got down to maybe 30 days before he retired, and then they found the cancer. He canceled his trip, 
And then he went into fighting, just fighting. But up until that point, man, he, he worked. He would literally, he would work for six or eight weeks without any days off. And then he would take a personal leave day. And then he would work six or eight weeks. And he did that for us, right? We all have stuff that we have to do to take care of our families. But I believe God wants you to spend some time enjoying it. Have a date night. Yeah. Good. Have a date night. Take your kids. Every Friday night, we have family night, right? We went and saw Wonder on Friday night, which is a great movie. I'd recommend it to anybody. I even, uh, I didn't cry, but I got close. It's real close. How many of you, when you're about to cry, you start chewing the side of your face. You're like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry, right? Great movies, good movie. But on Friday nights, we take them. That's family night, right? We go do something. And what do we do? We spend. What's it cost? Well, to go to that little movie theater over there, you know, it's, you're going to drop 40 bucks to get in that thing, right? And then you got to eat, right? Or you can smuggle it in like we do. Uh, <laughs> everybody's got book packs. We're all going in. <laughs> We've got the Taco Bell, and we got the chocolate-covered almonds, and we got... We got we got, we got it all up in there. We just roll in. We're all packing. They're like, we look like we're going camping whenever we go into the movie theater. It's like, what are these people? They're on safari. It's like, everybody turn around looking. It's like, we're passing all the food around. Listen, do what you got to do. You say, I, can, I don't have 40 bucks. In six weeks, it'll be at Redbox. You can get it for $1.50. Hey, kids, we're going to have movie night tonight. We're going to buy some microwave popcorn, and for about $5, you can have, you can spend, learn how to spend your money and your time that you've earned. Spend. They need to learn how to play. Next one is learn how to save. And this is one where the Lord got on to me because he said, you haven't really taught your kids how to save anything. So as we're leaving Academy, I told Noble, I said, you got to, we got to start, you got to start saving money. And he said, he said this to me. He said, teach me how. Teach me how. Teach me how. A 12-year-old wants to know, teach me how. So while we're driving home, got a 20-minute drive, just start to teach him. I say, well, there's different ways you can save. But if the key to saving, if you'll just be consistent, if you'll save a dollar a day, you'll, and, and I just start teaching him. Then you have $30. At the end of the year, you have 3 And I start teaching about compound interest. And, you know, if you save $3 a day, $100 a month for 30 years, you can be a millionaire. He's like, teach me. Teach me. <laughs> teach me. I want to be a millionaire. I said, but you can't touch it. You have to put it in an account, 25-year account, a 30-year account. You can't touch it. You can't. And then I told him the story of the world's most expensive lawnmower. Have you ever heard that story? $12 million lawnmower, world's most expensive lawnmower. And uh, the news people go to this guy's house. They say, hey, I heard that you had uh, uh, the world's most expensive lawnmower, $12 million lawnmower. So, yeah, I got it out back. And they said, well, we're here, we're here to do a story. We want to know about the world's most expensive lawnmower, $12 million lawnmower. He says, well, here, come out back. I'll show you. And he brings them out back, and he unveils and lifts up this tarp that's over this lawnmower, all flat tires, rusted out, engines destroyed. It's been sitting out there. For 30 years, just rusting, nothing to it. And they said, this ain't the world's most expensive lawnmower. This thing's here is a piece of junk. Why do you think this is the world's most expensive lawnmower? He said, 30 years ago, I had $500 in Walmart stock. But I saw this lawnmower and I just had to have it. So I took my Walmart stock to buy this lawnmower. And if I would have kept the stock, it was worth $12 million today. World's most expensive lawnmower so I'm teaching him you got to learn how to save 
You gotta learn how to say, I taught you how to give. I taught you how to give God first. And I taught you how to give offerings. And I taught you how to be generous, not just to him, but to people. And we do compassion kids. And I've taught you, I'm teaching you how to work. We're still working on that, right? A lot. We're still working on that, right? And you know how to spend. <laughs> and got no problem with that. But we've got, we got to do better on saving. We've got to get you an account. Do a dollar, dollar a, a week or dollar or whatever. The Bible says it like this. How I many of y'all know tens of thousands of books have been written on wealth and their biblical principles? People write books on this stuff and it's all biblical principles. How I many of y'all think we just, we just read the Bible, just do what it says? God knows where it's at. He knows how to get it to you. He knows better than you know. The Bible says this about saving money. He says, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, he says, the wise store up choice food and olive, but fools gulp theirs down. Another verse says, consider the ant. Watch the ant, how he stores, how he saves. First Corinthians chapter 16, it says, on the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money. Pretty interesting. In keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. What's he saying? He's saying, if you'll be systematic and just every day, every week, take a portion, set it aside. So I had to teach Noble. I said, you need to have three months worth of savings at all time. If you work at McDonald's, you make $100 a week. That's $400 a month times three. That's $1,200. Uh, uh, th- you need to have $1,200 in the bank at all times. That way, if you break your leg, you can't work for eight weeks. Your quality of living doesn't have to go down because you have three months worth of savings already saved up. He understands that. He, see, he sees that, right? And this is, this, is, this is right here, the word of God. The last thing is, is know how to find your calling. Know how to find your calling. Don't chase money, chase Jesus. The last thing to teach, to teach your kids is find out what you're called to do. How many people go through six majors just put your head down. Just put your head down. Go through six majors and 30,000 worth of student loans. What are they looking for? Just what they're supposed to be doing. And I sympathize. Don't you sympathize with, those, with, with people? They're just trying to figure out. I didn't know what I was going to do. I tried working on tugboats. I tried, I tried all different types of things trying to figure out, what do you want me to do? God and how many people they just chase a career or they chase money or they chase uh, just something right how many people they just say man I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing I just just gonna do this until I figure it out I'm trying to teach my kids you need to find out what you're called to do start praying now at 12 God what do you want me to do So that you don't have the pressure of getting out of high school and having to be like, I got to do this. I got to do something like this. No, I'm going to be encouraging my kids. If you don't already know what you're called to do, don't don't just jump out there and do it. I'll send you to TBI, Texas Bible Institute. You can go to Bible College here for a semester. Take a semester at Texas Bible Institute. They do a leadership track of four months. And that's a place where I know every day you'll be in the presence of God. And every day you'll be under sound teaching. And if you'll take time every day for 90 days or 120 days to be in God's presence, you'll come out of that and I'll guarantee you 100%, you'll walk out of that and say, I know what God wants me to do. 
Most people don't take the 120 days or the 90 days or the 10 days for that matter to really find out, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to be? God, do you want me to take two years and just be on mission and just go serve? God, what do you want me to do? So I'm teaching my kids about money. Don't chase money, chase Jesus. God knows where the gold is. If you'll follow him, he'll lead you right to it. You'll never lack. You'll never lack for money. Will it be tight? Sure, because he's, he's got that tree's there so you learn faith. That tree in the middle of that garden, it's there for you to learn faith. It's there for you to learn trust. You're gonna be tempted to eat from that tree. You're gonna be tempted. The serpent's gonna come up to you and say, oh, you don't really have to, oh, that's Old Testament. Oh, that's, a, oh, you're under this. Oh, you got blah, 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 blah. You just, you, you better, don't eat that tree. Put God first. Work your butt off. Spend some money. Save some money. But just chase Jesus. Follow Jesus. The last thing I'll tell you is as I was preparing the message, the Lord told me, he says, if you'll take care of the first one, I'll take care of the last one. In other words, everybody wants to know what they're called to do, but a lot of times figuring out what you're called to do has to do with not just figuring out what you're called to do, it has to do with doing the first one. Just be faithful doing what you know you're supposed to be doing, and you'll know the call of God for your life. If you'll be faithful doing what you know to do, he'll make sure. He said, my sheep hear my voice. He didn't say sometimes, he didn't say maybe, he didn't say on sunny days or on Thursdays. He said, my sheep know my voice. So if you'll do the ones that you know to do, if you'll do number one, say, God, you get first, you, whatever. God, God I'm, I'm doing what I do, know to do as far as work. If you'll do those, you'll never not know. I don't know what God wants me to do. I guarantee you, you if you're a sheep, you'll hear the shepherd. Now, if you're a wolf... Or if you're a goat, then you just go ramming through life with your horns. You're just beating through life. I'm trying to beat this door down to a career. I'm trying to beat this door down. You just go through life beating. But if you'll be a sheep, he says, I'll lead you to green pastures, still waters, and I'll restore your soul. I'll lead you in plain paths for my righteousness' sake. That's a promise of God. It's his promise. Mm -hmm.